Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We conclude our series today on the encounters with Christ, with Jesus' encounter, our series, with Jesus' encounter with Mary and Martha. Did you know there is a wrong way to serve our Lord Jesus Christ and there is a right way? There is a way that we could do it to honor our Lord. And in order for us to serve our Lord faithfully, it's going to require a balanced life. Our passage today will show us the right way to serve our Lord in the wrong way and the balance that we must have, along with many other uh, questions that we will be answered in our passage about how to serve our Lord. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 is where our passage begins. It's 38 through 42. And I'm going to read the text, and then we'll walk through it together, word for word, verse by verse. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary had chosen, has chosen the good portion, which will never be taken away from her. Praise be the word of God. Now we begin here in the very first verse, and we're told this, this location from other passages in Scripture that is Bethany. We're told that now when he went on his way, Jesus entered a village. The, the name Bethany means house of the poor. We don't know if that's any indication of this particular neighborhood. It's just a name. There's no other description given. We know that Bethany is two miles east of Jerusalem. It's on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. Anyone traveling that path would certainly go through Bethany. Jesus had been through Bethany many times as he traveled from northern Israel down to Jerusalem for the feasts and festivals. And we're told here that the next verse tells us there was a, a woman. Her name was Martha, and she welcomed him into her house. This is one of the few occasions where kindness is shown to Jesus in the Gospels. More often than not, when Jesus enters into a village, he is greeted with hostility because there are people who hate him. And it's fascinating that we could get this close to Jerusalem and find people who are welcoming him because the, the closer we get to Jerusalem, the more hostile the people are towards Jesus. And here we are, just a stone's throw away from Jerusalem. Martha is not alone. We know from John chapter 11 that Martha and Mary lived together with their brother Lazarus. This was the Lazarus who died and Jesus raised from the grave. In John chapter 11, Verse 5, we know that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. They were very good friends. They, they, these people were believers. The whole household knew Christ. They had a relationship with him. They loved him very much. This word to welcome in the Greek language, it means to receive someone for the purpose of gladly entertaining them. Jesus was welcomed into their home. They were glad to have him. The door was opened, and it was, Jesus, please come in. Please come into our home. You are welcome here. Jesus goes where he's welcomed. And conversely, Jesus will also leave places where he is not welcome. Did you know that? In, John, in Luke chapter 8, we're told that Jesus healed a demon-possessed man that had many demons. And Jesus cast the demons into a bunch of pigs, and the pigs ran off the cliff, and they died. 
And in Luke chapter 8, verse 37, we're told that the people in the surrounding area told Jesus, get out of here. We're frightened by you. We don't know what we just saw and what just happened, but you are not welcomed here. And the scripture says that Jesus left them and departed and went on his way. As I look at this point here, this very first point that Jesus was welcomed in this home, I have to pause and ask the question, is Jesus welcomed in every area of your life? You might say, you know, I've welcomed Jesus into my life, but is he welcomed in watching the things that you watch on television? Is he welcome to sit next to you as you look on your phone when no one else is looking and you're looking on the computer? Is he welcome to be with you then? Or are there times in your life where you say, Jesus, I really don't want you to be around right now. Jesus wants you to welcome him in every area of your life. And maybe you're here today or watching online and you never welcomed Jesus in your home. You never knelt down with your spouse and you've never asked Jesus to, Jesus, we welcome you into our marriage. We welcome you into our family. Have you welcomed Jesus into your workplace? Is he with you wherever you go? He promises he's present, but do you welcome him? This might sound silly to not welcome him, but several years ago, my wife and I went to visit a a family who just lost their 90-year-old husband and father and grandfather. I was preparing to do his funeral. This 90-year-old man was a friend of mine. I loved him dearly. His wife, they, they both were Jesus freaks. They loved the Lord. They had stacks of Bibles next to their, their uh, ottoman or on their ottoman in front of their living room. Stacks of Bibles next to their bed. They loved the Word of God. I met the son who was in his 60s. I had never met him before. And we're planning the funeral. And I said, well, here's when we do a song. And here's when we have the eulogy. And then here's where I'll talk about Jesus and share the, the hope of Christ we have in the gospel. And he says, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And I said, I'm sorry, we're not going to do what? He says, we're not going to talk about Jesus, and I don't want you to share the gospel. And I told him, uh, I closed my laptop and began to put it in my briefcase, and my wife was looking at him and looking at me, and she, she later told me, I can't believe this man just told my husband you can't talk about Jesus. And he says, why are you putting your laptop away? And I said, sir, I, I loved your dad, and your dad loved Jesus, and your mom is sitting here, she loves Jesus, but if Jesus isn't welcome to your dad's funeral, it's... Uh, your dad's funeral, then I'm not going to go either. You need to find someone else. I'm the wrong guy, and I'm very sorry for your loss. And he said, fine, you can, you can talk about Jesus. And I said, just out of curiosity, why don't you want anyone to talk about Jesus? He says, because we've already heard the gospel. We've already heard about Jesus, and we already have him. That was his response. Friends, if you have Jesus, you want to hear more about Jesus. Amen. If you believe the gospel, you want the gospel proclaimed. If you believe the gospel, you can't get enough of the gospel. And when I go to funerals, I'm just praying if I'm not officiating that whoever's officiating it will proclaim the gospel. Because our hope is in Jesus. Why would we not proclaim the hope that we have and the hope that the world needs, Jesus Christ? Friends, have you welcomed Jesus in every area of your life? Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. And what a blessing that is to welcome Jesus into your home. She is showing Jesus a very kind act. And you might say, well, that's not going to cost her anything, but you're wrong. Because to be kind to Jesus this close to Jerusalem is going to cost her a great deal. Because there are people in Bethany who are are going to report back to the religious leaders that someone showed kindness to Jesus. And they don't look at that very favorably in this area. 
They're going to lose friends by being close to Jesus and kind to Jesus. There will be people who will turn their backs on them and shun them because they're showing kindness to Jesus. And there will be people who will talk about them behind their backs. It's going to cost them. And when Lazarus was raised from the dead, the religious leaders got together and said, we've got to find a way to kill him. Because he was a walking testimony of the power of Jesus Christ. To show friendship at this time to Jesus was going to be costly. And friends, to show friendship to Jesus in our day and time is going to cost you something as well. There are places where there are laws that prohibit people from showing kindness to Jesus. There are laws in countries where you could be killed if you show kindness to, to Jesus and to show kindness to those followers. Our world does not look favorably on people who show kindness to Jesus. Are you willing to pay the price to show kindness and welcome Jesus into your life and not be ashamed of it? Here we see that they are not worried about how the people are going to respond to them. Why? Because they care more about the opinion of Christ than the opinion of man. They are loving Jesus and the non-believing world can't stand it. And we see in John 12 that this Mary, the same Mary, is the one who washed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume. And not only will the non-believing world criticize you for being too close to Jesus, but people in the church will criticize you. Believers will criticize you. Because when Mary is washing Jesus' feet, it's one of the disciples who criticized her for showing too much devotion to Jesus. I've had friends who pray and fast regularly. And they told me the greatest criticism they get when they pray and fast for the Lord is, is it from non-believers? It's from believers who say, why are you fasting? Don't you know that's pretty archaic? That's a thing of the past. What are you going to try next? Walking on water? I saw you drinking milk. That fast doesn't count. And they're beat up and put down by other believers because they want to grow in their walk with Christ. Friends, if you want to grow closely in Christ, you will have people put you down, both in the church and outside the church. It's a costly thing to show kindness to Christ. Verse 39 we see here, and, and she had a sister called Mary. And what, what was Mary doing at this time? We're, we're given her name. We're given her relationship in the family. She's a sister. And now we're told the action that Mary is doing in the house with Martha. Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Sitting as a posture given to a, a disciple or for a disciple or a student to be learning from a rabbi. If a rabbi is in town and you sit at his feet, that means you're learning. To sit at someone's feet means you're, you're taking it in. Class is in session. In Acts 22, verse 3, Paul tells us that he, 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 uh, he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. He, he sat at his feet. And wherever you went to school would be an indication of where the people to whom you sat at their feet. When we are learning from the Word of God, we're sitting at the feet of our Sunday school teacher or a small group leader or the person preaching that day. And when you're sitting at the, the Bible and you're reading it for yourself, you're sitting at the feet of Christ. It's His Word. When the Word of God is taught and proclaimed, we're sitting together at the feet of Christ, learning from His Word. You, we can all agree here that class can be in session. And you can be in class, but sometimes you can be distracted, can't you? That you can be in class, but just because you're in class doesn't mean you're listening. But the passage here tells us she was sitting at His feet and she was listening. That means she was focused primarily on the teachings and the words of Christ. 
She wasn't letting anything distract her. Her gaze was on Jesus. She was looking at Jesus. She was listening to every word he taught. She was focused, attentive. Mary adored and loved Jesus. She loved his company, his presence, and his teaching. Jesus' time was short. And here they have Jesus in their home. And Jesus is teaching. And Mary decided she would sit at his feet. She wasted no time to learn from the greatest teacher of all time. Friends, we could spend an awful lot of time sitting at someone's feet, couldn't we? That isn't the Lord's feet. We could spend an awful lot of time at the feet of our television. We could spend an awful lot of time on our our news stations and an awful lot of time at the feet of politics, entertainment, sports. But how much time do you spend in your day and in your week sitting at the feet of Jesus, reading his word, being taught by him, the master teacher? Friends, we don't ever commit enough time sitting at his feet. So many things could preoccupy us. The list is endless. Education, business, anything that would distract you. And this begs the question for all of us is how much time do you and I spend sitting at his feet learning? Do you take advantage of biblical teaching? Do you study the word for yourself? Are you involved in the Bible studies that are offered in this church or or any church? There are great Bible teachers here. Great, great teachers throughout the week who teach the Word of God and they study it and they're committed to it. There's small groups and classes throughout the week and on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. And Sunday mornings we preach the Word of God. We see here that she sat and she listened. I've met uh, many Christians over the years and I meet them all the time in the grocery stores and checkout lines. And I just say, you know, tell me about your walk with Christ. Are you a believer? Oh, absolutely. I love the Lord. I've known him for years. And I'll say, that's wonderful. Where do you go to church? I'm not, I'm not trying to put them on the spot. I just love to know where believers are going to church around here. And they'll, some people will say, you know, I don't really attend church that often. Well, how often is that often? Well, I really haven't been in years. Well, why haven't you been in years? Well, because I've been really busy lately. Friends, as believers, we are to sit at Christ's feet and learn from him and listen This is a good thing. And now look what verse 40 introduces for us. A very negative word. See this word here? This is but. We're told that Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and now we're going to be introduced by a big contrast. The camera angle is going to shift over to Martha now and tell us what Martha was doing. Now, obviously, the word but is going to tell us that she wasn't doing what Mary was doing. Obviously, the word but is going to tell us she was doing something different. Well, what was Martha doing? But Martha was distracted. Friends, to understand the significance of what's happening here, you need to know the meaning of this word in Greek. It does mean distracted. But there's another level of distraction here that this word in Greek conveys to us by a word picture. What this word distracted means in the original language for which it was written means to be dragged away. It means to be dragged off or to be dragged around as if by something else. So rather than sitting at the feet of the master and listening to his teaching, Martha was dragged away to do something else. I I can remember as I was going over this passage over and over this week, a, a, a memory came to mind. And I was a brand new believer either at Daytona Beach or Panama City doing beach evangelism. I can't remember which beach it was because we went back and forth with Campus Crusade. 
And my friend and I were sharing the gospel with a, a young man who was standing on a, at the long pathway, uh, a walkway from a beach house to the beach. And we're, our back is to the ocean. We're facing his house. There was a, a party going on, and he happened to be standing right along the, 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 the sand. And I said, hey, man, we're from uh, northern Virginia. We're here to share the, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. Can we share with you about how you can have eternal life? And I kid you not, as we were talking to this young man, out of nowhere, his friend comes running up, and he put both hands on his arms, and he began to pull his friend away from us. And as if that action wasn't enough, his friend actually said, don't listen to a word they're saying. Let's go back up to the party. And he was literally dragging his friend five feet away from us. And I watched him go 10 feet away from us. And I prayed, Lord, please let us have this one. Please, Lord, let us share the gospel with this guy. And his friend, after about 15 feet away from us, pushed his friend off of him and said, hey, man, I want to go back and hear what they have to say. And I don't remember how it turned out. I just remember this man being dragged away from us. Friends, what is dragging you away from regular time, from sitting at the feet of the Lord through his word? What in this world, what in our own fleshly desires, what is the enemy using to drag you away from regular fellowship with the body of Christ that we would sit under the teaching and preaching of the word of God Is there something that's more important than that on a Sunday morning than to sit under the Word of God as it's taught? What is dragging you away? Is it sports? Is it fatigue? Is it laziness? Is it a fear of something? Friends, my hope and prayer is that nothing would drag us away from sitting at the feet of Christ, that we would be so distracted by the things of this world that we wouldn't want to sit at His feet. And then that week turns into two weeks and then a month, and then a year. And we're believers who just got dragged away. Well, the scripture tells us what could possibly have dragged Martha away. What could have been so much more important than having the master teacher in your house, under your roof, God in the flesh is in the living room teaching, and you decide you can't be in the living room because you've got something else going on. Well, here the scripture tells us, what was she dragged away by? With much serving. This word much is a quantitative. It's not just serving. She had a lot going on. Her calendar was pretty busy. She had a lot of things to do and a short time to do it. How could I go and sit at the master's feet? How could I go listen to his teaching? Because I've got things to do. I've got a lot going on. The word serving here in the text, is a, it means serving. It means to minister to. It means to attend to someone or something. And she had a whole lot of it. And I can understand why. She has a whole house full of men. She's got Jesus and his 12 and Lazarus and Mary herself. Just that alone is 15 people. I could see why there would be this anxiety of trying to entertain the guest. We don't know what the uh, entertainment was or the serving was. We just know that she had a lot going on, and it dragged her away from sitting at the feet of the great teacher. Friends, is your schedule so full that you can't sit at the feet of the teacher regularly? And as I go over this, and I prayed over it for me and for you, I've prayed an awful lot for us this week. I just wanted us to remember that our calendar is not a master over us. Our calendar is there to serve us. And if your calendar is your master, you need to slay that calendar because you are master over your calendar. 
And when we decide, well, we're going to let our schedule dictate itself. And and then if there's any time after I put my calendar together, then I'll spend time with Jesus. We've got it all wrong. Each week as we map out our calendar, we need to put Jesus first. And then if we have time for other things, we do the other things second. This week, I challenge you to, to put Jesus first in your calendar. Because a calendar can be your master. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Let Jesus be your master and my master, not our calendars, not our schedules, not, not a sports calendar. I once heard in a, a chapel seminary at Dallas Seminary, a, a speaker once said that when you give Jesus all that you have to do, he doesn't take stuff off your plate. He gives you a bigger plate. Friends, do you give Jesus all that you have to do in your week and allow him to give you the bigger plate? Do you say, Jesus, I just want to put you first. I want to make time throughout my day to sit at your feet, to study your word individually and corporately with other believers. If not, you're being dragged away by something less important and less significant. And right now you're probably thinking, now wait a second, Charlie, isn't serving the Lord a good thing? It is a good thing. But she's about to be rebuked because she's doing something wrong in her serving. She's serving Jesus the wrong way. And now you and I are about to see how you and I could serve Jesus the wrong way. This is from the scriptures. Look at what she does. Mary is frustrated. And everything we're about to see is about to tell her what she was doing wrong. And I'm not saying that she was doing it wrong. Jesus is going to say she's doing it wrong. And she went up to him. This would be Jesus. Martha is about to go complain, and she will be rebuked for it. Her complaint will have several problems, and we're going to walk through each of these problems one by one as they're presented to us. And she said, first and foremost, Lord, do you not care? First of all, when a rabbi is teaching, you never interrupt the class. She interrupted the preaching of the word or the teaching of the word. She, she interrupted the rabbi who's teaching his disciples. Excuse me, rabbi, can you stop teaching for just a moment? Because I have something much more important than your teaching. And look at what she did. She, she dishonors God with this statement. She says, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care? This is Jesus. Jesus loves you. He agape loves you. It's a divine love, unconditional love. No matter what you do to him, Martha, he he loves you regardless. And she's questioning his love for her. She interrupts him and then she attacks him by dishonoring him and saying, do you not care about what's going on? Martha is, is showing here the temptation that all of us has. Martha's a good person. Martha's a believer. She loves the Lord. But she's going about this all wrong. What is it that she's doing wrong? Colossians 3.17 states, And whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you're a student, study in the name of Jesus. If you're a teacher, teach in the name of Jesus. In your workplace, work in the name of Jesus. If you're married, love your spouse in the name of Jesus Christ. Love your children. Love others. Stand in line at the grocery store in the name of Jesus Christ. It says here, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Christ. And then here it says, giving thanks. 
having an attitude of gratitude or thankfulness, that we should be so thankful that we have a chance to serve our Lord Jesus. Friends, we get to serve the Lord. I get to serve God. We should be so thankful for the privilege of serving Him in every area of our life, whatever that may look like. What a privilege it is to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Colossians 3, 23, 20, verse 23 through 24 states, whatever you do, do heartily. This means give it your best effort. Have your best attitude. Mary didn't have her best attitude. She wasn't serving with joy, and we're about to find out why. Friends, when you serve the Lord, when you serve our church, what is your attitude? The Lord wants His people to serve Him out of a heart of gratefulness, out of a heart of joy. And when we serve the Lord with the privilege that it is, with joy and gladness and thankfulness, the Lord is honored. The rest of that verse in Colossians 3 through 23, whatever you do, do heartily, give it your best. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that the Lord will, the Lord, you will receive, from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. The Lord is going to reward those who serve Him. It doesn't matter if you're stacking chairs or changing diapers or, or greeting people at the front door or maybe you're mopping up a mess in the back and no one else will know about it. The Lord knows about it. And He will reward you for it with an eternal reward. We are not to serve people for the applause of men and women. Not to receive a reward from humanity. I don't want a pat on the back from people. I want to honor the Lord because the rewards will last forever. And then we're told in verse 25 of Colossians 3, for the wrongdoer will be repaid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. Friends, you and I will both agree. There is nothing more beautiful than watching someone serve the Lord with a heart of thankfulness and joy. Is there? And I'm so thankful for our greeting greeting team and our ushers who serve the Lord with joy. And every week I just walk in and see them greeting people with smiles on their faces. And they're, they're not doing to get a pat on the back for me and you. They're truly serving the Lord Jesus. And their joy shines out of them. Thank you, ushers and greeters. Those who make people feel welcomed and find their seat. When I was in seminary, I was uh, asked to be the middle school pastor at my church uh, where I attended. I love that church. I love those people. A friend of mine from seminary decided to come in one day and volunteer. He said, I think I'll start serving in the the youth ministry. And he's standing next to me, and a young man was uh, shot a rubber band, and it hit my friend. I saw it come up and shot him right in the forehead. And it fell on the ground, and he rubbed his forehead, and he picked up the rubber band, and he turns to me and starts grinding his teeth. And he said to me, if I wasn't in a church, I would take that kid outside. And I thought to myself, man, you're not serving the Lord with joy and gratitude. And what he didn't know was, I watched that young man. He was a high school student named Ryan. Ryan was shooting the rubber band up at the ceiling and just catching it. He wasn't trying to cause mischief. He wasn't a troublemaker. In fact, this guy didn't know Ryan's story. Ryan was dying of cancer. Ryan had about six months to live, and he made it about four months, and he died of cancer. And my friend didn't know that and all that was going on. But I took him outside after the service ended, and I said, man, I love you, and i got to speak some truth to you. I said, but if you can't take getting shot in the head with a rubber band you, by youth, you probably shouldn't be serving in the youth ministry. And you need to find somewhere else to serve. And he got really mad at me and didn't speak to me for a short time. But after a month, he came back and said, I want to thank you for holding me accountable. I, I got plugged into a different ministry, and I have so much joy and peace. And I thank you for calling me out. And he gave me a hug and said, I love you, brother. 
Friends, do you have joy and peace where you're serving the Lord? Are you where the Lord has called you to serve? Next, we're told that she dishonors her family. She doesn't just dishonor the Lord with her complaint. She dishonors her family. Look at what she says. That my sister, she's complaining to the Lord that my sister has left me to serve alone. She's complaining against her own family member. This is her sister. They live in the same household together, and she's attacking her. Her own family. Family should never attack family, whether it's a a physical family or a spiritual family. And here she's attacking her family to the Lord. And what is her complaint? She left me alone. How dare she leave me alone? I am overworked, overburdened, and overwhelmed. And most commentators will say that this is conjecture, but perhaps Mary was serving with Martha until the, the guests arrived. And then when Jesus started teaching, Mary left Martha alone to serve because she would much rather hear the master teach and take advantage of that opportunity. She was complaining about her own sister, and she tells Jesus, what does she tell Jesus to do? Tell her then to help me. Tell her to help me, Lord. The third problem is a complaint here of selfishness. Martha was only looking out for herself. It's right here in the text. It's in your Bible, too. Martha's saying she needs to help me. She was self-centered. She was preoccupied with her own wants, her own desires, her way or the highway, her own preferences. She wanted what she wanted, and it brought about the complaint. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This passage really rocked my world this week. I'm going to be honest with you. This, this passage brought tears to my eyes. Have you ever been to still waters? And you lean over the still waters, and you look down into the still waters, and you see your reflection. When I looked into this passage this week, it shattered me because when I looked in the passage, it was like a mirror, and I saw myself. I am Martha. And there's times in my life where I've said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care about what I'm going through and what we're going through? And then I've brought complaints against my spouse to the Lord, people in my own household. And I've brought complaints to the Lord about people in my own church. And I've dishonored you, dishonored people close to me. And then I've said, Lord, I... Please change my situation, not even thinking that maybe the Lord is using my situation to change me. I was selfish in my prayers. And maybe there's some Martha in all of us, because we are Martha. We all need Jesus. We can't walk alone in this world by our own strength. I need Jesus to continue to change my heart, because I am a sinner. And as I walked through this, I thought, Lord, I can't judge Martha, because I am Martha. Lord, I want to confess my sin and my selfishness and my own desires. Whatever your will is for me, Lord, let your will be. And Lord, let me serve you with thankfulness. Let me serve you with a heart of joy that I wouldn't grumble and complain about the work you've called me to do. Look what the Lord says here. The Lord is so kind. He is so gentle. He is so good to his people. And I'm so thankful for that. Look at what Jesus says in verse 41. But the Lord answered her. He could have ignored her, but he didn't. He gave her a reply, and what does he say? He, he could have said, you're right, Martha, I wasn't paying attention. I'm so sorry about that. I do care. I'm sorry I was looking like I don't. That would be silly because the Lord loves her. He could say, oh, my gosh, I didn't see Mary sitting here. Mary, get back in there and start helping Martha. 
The Lord is sovereign. He says, Martha, Martha. It's not often that names are repeated twice back to back in Scripture, but they are. We don't know why the Lord would do this, but maybe to get her attention, to show compassion, to show significance to the rebuke he's about to give her. Or maybe he just wants to soften the blow because he is about to rebuke her. And the Scripture tells us that the Lord's Word rebukes his people. I deserve to be rebuked and corrected when I'm out of line. All of God's people deserve to be corrected and rebuked by the Word of God when we are out of line. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Friends, we must never resist the conviction that comes when the Word of God convicts us. We must ask the Word of God to peel away sin in our life, that we would be the people he has called us to be. Martha is going to receive correction here. The Bible corrects me and it corrects you and it corrects its hearers. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, and look what happened to Martha's heart. Look at her heart as she's serving the Lord. You are anxious and troubled. Her state of her heart is not joy. It's not contentment. It's not happiness. It's not thankfulness. And what is it that brought her anxiety and trouble about many things? Many things. She had all the wrong order. She was too busy to listen to the teaching, too busy to receive the word. She was distracted and dragged away by serving, and she didn't get to sit at his feet. She was anxious and troubled. Friends, we know there is an enemy The enemy, our flesh, and the world want us to not sit at the master's feet, but want to keep us so busy and so distracted and so dragged away that we would never sit at his feet because it's at his feet that we find peace and rest. It's at his feet that is the remedy for a heart of anxiety and trouble. Serving Christ Christ does not bring the peace of Christ. Only being with Christ will bring the peace of Christ. And rather than being with him, she was working for him. Do you see the difference? The greatest warning and caution for for all of us is that we can be very tempted to work for Christ and not spending time with Christ. She was anxious and troubled. And it's very tempting to be working in general and to stay very busy and not spending time with the Lord. And again, Jesus said, you are anxious and troubled about many things. She was doing it her way not the Lord's way. And if you're doing it your way today, friends, how's that working out for you? The Lord has a better plan for you and for me. Is your heart anxious and troubled? Are you looking for peace for your soul? I have good news for you today. I have the solution for you today. Today is your lucky day. The answer is found in verse 42. How do we remove a troubled heart? How do we find peace? Look at what the master Jesus says. But one thing is necessary. This word necessary means required to be done. There is one thing that is required to be done. Well, what is it, Lord? Please tell me. Well, Mary has chosen the good portion. Your actions and my actions are a choice. And at any given moment, we are doing what most matters to us. At any given moment, people do what they most want to do. 
And people who sit at Jesus' feet sit at his feet because they most want to do it. And those who don't do it regularly don't do it because that is not what they most want to do. And here we see that spending time is a choice for all of us. And Martha wasn't spending it wisely. She wasn't making wise choices. But Mary made a different choice. And look at how long her reward will be according to Jesus. Which will not be taken away from her. When God's eternal word is placed in his people, it will be with his people forever and ever. Why are we so distracted, friends, you and me, by the things that drag us away that are temporary, that are meaningless and insignificant instead of pursuing the eternal word of God and sitting at the feet of Christ? Here I just leave you with several points uh, to ponder or think about, three of them actually. Number one is this. This passage calls for a balance between being with Christ and working for Christ. Being with Christ is worship. Serving with Christ, serving Christ is also worship. That we could be with him or we could serve him and they are both worship. But we must first be fed by the Lord before we can serve the Lord. We must first be fed by the Lord before we can feed others with our love and service and kindness. If all we did was spend time in Bible study, if all we did was just get fed and get fed and go home and go to bed, but we're not serving anywhere in our lives, then we're out of balance. Are you living a balanced life? Are you not just sitting at his feet and learning from his word and serving, or are you just sitting at his word? The order of our priority should be this, Jesus, others, and then self. Is that the order of your priorities? The scripture tells us we are to love Jesus first, and then we put others above ourselves. Do you love Jesus first, and then you're putting yourself above others because that would be out of order? Are you loving yourself first, and then putting Jesus second or third? That is out of balance. It should be Jesus, others, self. We should never serve Jesus for the applause of others. We should serve Jesus for the applause of Jesus. And it shouldn't matter who sees us or recognizes us. In other words, friends, before you stand and serve, you are to sit and learn. And then after you sit and learn, you are to stand and serve. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. To walk here is to do life. That God has good works prepared for you and for me individually. And then we are to sit at his feet, to be charged up, to have peace and joy. And then from that peace and joy and gratitude of sitting at his feet, we go and do the good works that he's calling us to do. And then we go sit back at his feet again. Our church is growing, friends. Praise the Lord. The word is being preached and proclaimed. Lost people are getting saved. New families are joining us. We are very blessed. But as the church grows, it's going to produce new demands new challenges. We're going to have growing pains. There's going to be areas where we need people to step in and fill in the gaps that the church's needs will be met. Last week, we started with opportunities of the week to put in a bulletin in our emails to help those who are new. You know, since last January, 13 months, we've added 70 new members to our church. Isn't that amazing? Let's give our new members a big hand. We're so glad you're here. We welcome you. And these opportunities of the week that we're trying to promote or to help and onboard our new members to get in our community, or maybe you've been a member for a while and you're not serving. Last week, we promoted helping in our tech team. And Austin came to my office this week and said, Pastor Charlie, we added four new people to the tech team this week. 
Isn't that amazing? Praise God. Thank you so much for signing up to that. Austin, you're a rock star. See back there somewhere? He's going to be so embarrassed I say that. And, I, and if you're volunteer back there, you need to know Austin loves you. And he tries to come to my office, or he comes to my office trying to find new ways to show appreciation for everyone that serves. And he prays for you, and he loves his team. Thank you for serving. Number two is how you serve the Lord matters to God. How I serve the Lord, how I do it matters to the Lord. We see it here from the text. When you're serving, or when we're serving, we should have attitudes of thankfulness. We should be so so thankful for the opportunity to serve the Lord, because not everyone will have that opportunity. Not everyone knows the Lord, and not everyone will have an opportunity to serve the Lord like we have here in Raleigh. Do you serve Him? Does it bring you pleasure? Are we balanced in spending time with Him and serving Him and impacting lives around us for His glory? Are you, when you pick up trash, do it for the glory of Christ. If you see trash in our parking lot, don't walk past it and think I'm too good to pick up trash. If you're changing a diaper in our nursery, do it for the glory of Christ. Again, if you're holding a door, if you're singing in our choir, if you're, if you're pouring water or setting tables at our events, if you're greeting, ushering, playing music, singing, do it for the glory of Christ, not for men. That Christ will be glorified through the good works that he has called you to do. The attitude of your heart matters as you serve the Lord. And if something is wrong with your attitude as you serve the Lord, then something is walk, wrong with the walk in your time is not being sat at his feet. This week, our service opportunity is for the nursery and children's ministry. And uh, our, we're adding more and more babies to the nursery, and we need some sweet, loving people to hold those babies so that their moms and dads could come and worship together in the service. If the Lord tugs on your heart this week to serve in our children's ministry, then please go sign up and talk with Tilly, our children's director, and she can get you on the right path. Number three is this. Three and finally, we're going to close out. You can sit at his feet. Excuse me. You can't sit at his feet until you welcome him in your life. You and I cannot sit at his feet until we welcome him into our lives. Is, your, is Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? Have you committed your life to him? Have you received the free gift of salvation that only Jesus Christ can offer? Do you believe that Jesus is God in the flesh who came to earth to die for you in your place on the cross so that God's wrath would be poured out on him and not for you? And do you believe that he rose from the dead as our triumphant victor? Matthew 7 gives us a sobering picture of people who spent their lives working for Jesus, but they weren't sitting at his feet. Matthew 7 tells us that on judgment day, Jesus will say, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? We're doing stuff for you, Lord. We're serving you. But they didn't know him. We were doing mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The Lord desires his people to sit at his feet and learn. And then after we sit, we stand and we serve. My challenge for you this week is to pray if you're not serving somewhere in the church and ask the Lord to show you where you can serve, that we will sit together and learn throughout the week and we will stand at different times throughout the week and serve him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Father, I thank you for the conviction it brought to my life this week and I confess my sin before you. Father, let me not complain about the things you call me to. Let me have joy and gratitude 
Let me not dishonor the Lord in my prayer time and dishonor my own personal family and my spiritual family. And Father, let me not be selfish in putting my ways and my preferences and my desires first, but let me live a life where Jesus is first, others are second, and I am last. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.